Today, our guest is Debbie Weiss, who became a writer in 2013 when she lost her partner and high school sweetheart of 32 years. Can you even imagine? She found herself on her own for the very first time and decided to write about it. So she's here to talk about her book and her experience. So how did you meet your husband? He was the son of family friends. His mom and my dad worked together. And believe it or not, they were both nuclear physicists at Lawrence Livermore Lab here in California. Wow. I knew him since he was 11 and I was seven. He was four years older. Wow. Did you always have a crush on each other? Not so much. I mean, I think I think a little bit, you know, a little bit. Yeah, I did a little bit. And I know he had one on me. I, I found out later. And then we got together when I was 17 and he was 21 because the, you know, the age difference kind of mellowed out. Right. And so, and then you were just, was he your only boyfriend? Is that your personal task? Not too personal at all. And it's in my book. And yes, he was, he was my only boyfriend. I mean, I was that, he was my one and only, you know, we got together when I was, a high, again, I was a, in high school and I was a geek. I hadn't dated much before that. And then we were together until I was, he died. I was 49. You said that he had cancer. That's, I'm really sorry to hear that. That's really awful. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, he had some good years after his diagnosis, but by the end it was bleh. So how did you go from that to saying, wow, I, I think I'm ready to date again. I'm sure there was a gap in between, but it's also interesting to me that you had never really been alone. I find right. that interesting as well. How was that experience being on your own? I mean, I don't know how you were as a couple. I mean, you said you're a lawyer, so you're obviously capable of taking care of yourself. But I mean, for example, like, did he pay all the bills, let's say, and then all of a sudden you had to pay the bills? Or did he do all the investing? I mean, it may not have been, you may have done everything, but was that all new to you or weird to you to all of a sudden be doing everything on your own? You know, it's so funny you say that, Jill, because I just wrote about that for another publication and I have an article coming out and you're right. He was kind of the dominant one. I was sort of passive. I quit practicing law when I was 40. Um, I found it super stressful and kind of depressing. So he really took care of us. He paid all the bills from his computer. He was sick. I'm like, I don't know how to pay the bills. My last words to him pretty almost were, what's your effing Wells Fargo password? Because <laughs> I couldn't, he, he took care of, you know, he made, I mean, he supported me for, I'm, I'm very grateful. I worked until I was 40 we bought our home and, you know, and then I quit. And he did everything and he did the investments and looking back, mm, should have pushed harder on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, well, he made the decisions and they weren't always what I would have chosen, you know, but that was just the way we lived. He decided kind of how we spent our time and I sort of went along. I didn't have a lot of my own opinion. And today, how are you? Are you a very different person today? And how, and, and actually to go back to living alone. So how was that just living on your own? And do you think you're a different person today as a result of that? Yeah, living on my own was surreal and I was not very good at it. I'm still not. Um, I, I have a partner now, but I was on my own for about, well, we moved in two years ago. So I lived by myself for eight years and I was partnered for real for about five of those uh, up until, you know, now, but when I was on my own, it was surreal. Um, I just, I'd never done it before. I was, I, I was just alone. It, it's weird when you're widowed and you're used to living with somebody because the house is whatever the size, it just feels empty and it's quiet. And he and I weren't real social. So I didn't have friends. I didn't have a support network. So I was just by myself and that I was probably, I was a little crazy. I got into a bad relationship too early. Um, you know, and then 14 months after my loss, yeah, yeah, but 14 months after I, I decided to start dating, um, I wanted to find love again. You know, I, I, I liked being a partnered person. <laughs> right. No, it's nice with the right person. That can right. be a great part of your life. But so it is interesting to me though, I mean, to be such a young kid, I mean, that's more like, I look at our parents' generations, you and I are on the same age that yeah. they, they're like that. I remember my parents divorced. My mother said, you have to help me. And I said, help you with what? Like, I didn't even understand, but she had never lived alone. She went from her parents to him. And that's kind of how you were. So you're a little right. bit like a 1950s housewife, actually. I um, was, I mean, I wasn't when I was young, you know, when I was really young. I mean, I went, well, okay. Part of the background for that reason, actually, probably is my mom died when I was 10. Oh God, and you had a lot of loss in your life. I have. Yes, yeah. I have. 
Yeah, if I'm having a bad day, I generally can remind myself, hey, you've been through these two huge losses, whatever this is, you'll be fine. Um, but yeah, my mom died when I was 10. I'm an only child. My dad was an only child. George was actually an only child. And my dad was overprotective. Um, he's a wonderful parent, but he was kind of protective. And, you know, I stayed close to home. You know, what I what I had learned was, you know, when you turn around, your mom can get sick and die. So I kind of kept an eye on my dad. And I was pretty cautious. Uh, I think part of that was also growing up suburban and Jewish and overprotected. But, you know, I was competent. I mean, I went to college um, right from there. I was a lawyer when I was 25. And I, you know, and I practiced until I was 40. And I, and I tried. I just wasn't, I didn't like the stress. Um, I didn't love it. But, you know, and I think some of that's also my generation, our generation, you know, we're the yuppies. You know, people right. don't may not like the millennials, but they're into having experiences. And I think we were more into having things and having what was considered the things you had to have, like a career and a house. And, you know, everybody bought nice cars. And, you know, these days people don't care about that stuff, which makes more sense. But I feel like our generation kind of slid in pretty easily to being middle aged. No, no, I agree with you. I mean, I think of when you say that, I think of my dining room table, mm -hmm. which now I want to get rid of things and I cannot seem to part with the fancy dining room furniture. I don't know if you grew up with a fancy living room or fancy dining room yes. and it's ridiculous. And and I grew up in that, so did you, where you buy good furniture that you hand yes. down. And now I think, God, I should have just gone to Marshall's. Like, what was I thinking? Getting this good table that now I'm trying to push everywhere. So I, I, I agree <laughs> with you. It's about things. What kind of law did you practice, by the way? Insurance coverage. I interpreted insurance policies. It's a lot of research. It's about as exciting as it sounds. No, I was just gonna say, I'm sorry, yeah. what what I don't mean to be rude, but what made you go? You just seem a little bit more outgoing than that. What made you go into mm. that in particular? You know, I didn't this is the story of my life up until then, is I didn't want to be too close too far from home. So I looked at where I was living and my husband was working, George was working pretty far away in the South Bay. We lived in a town called Danville. And I didn't want a big commute. So I looked at the best law firm I could get that was reasonably close to home. I'm not a city person. I'd clerked one summer in San Francisco and that was enough of the city for me. So I just was looking for something without a big commute and all. And most of the firms where I lived were insurance defense. And again, our generation, right? I wanted to save up and buy a house. I wasn't thinking then about saving the world. It wasn't until I was a few years in that I realized I was trading money between corporations and making no difference to anyone. <laughs> so you've changed a lot, actually. It's not just about being in, more independent. You, it sounds like a lot of you has changed. What made you leave finally at 40? Oh, the law firm? You know, um, a bunch of reasons. I was very, very stressed. I wasn't on the partnership track, but it was very much a view of don't work smarter, work more be right. visible. And, you know, I was finally had gotten it so I could work at home one day a week. I, I, I mean, I worked, I had boxes of documents. I worked, but people were like, Oh, that's your day off. It's like, no, it's working from home. This was about 2000 late, late, you know, 1998. It, it was so archaic and it was very sexist. You know, I really felt that the women, we, we really weren't, our voices really weren't appreciated. People somehow didn't think we had, I don't know, cojones to, to really be in there and do the work. Um, and part of that, a little bit was my fault. I was pretty immature, you know, the way I grew up. And I didn't speak up enough. And I, and I should have, because one thing I should have told my male overlords is that if your <laughs> client is an insurance company, you will always lose. Nobody will like you. Right. But, you know, they didn't, right. uh, they didn't quite get that. So what did you do at 40 when you um, retired, I guess? I didn't do much. You know, I was really stressed. I had this cranked, you know, again, I'd gone straight through college, law school, law practice, bought a house. Yay. George was, my late husband, George was a workaholic. You know, I took fitness classes. I tried to get into meditation. I gardened. I shopped. Uh, <laughs> you know, I pretty much, pro I, pro I read a lot. You know, I did get through like war and peace, but I really, I took a writing class, which I loved, but I wasn't real serious. I'm I'm actually really good as a slacker. Is that so? That's what you say you're doing today. You're a slacker. I don't think so though. You're writing. Yeah, not, you're not so much anymore. I mean, I'm an author and I I do slack, but I, you know, I when George died, I I started to look at things differently. Um, I never went back to work, but I did. You know, 
I started to take writing classes more seriously, a weekly writing group. I started to send things out to publications and got some stuff published. And then I went back and I, I got a master's degree uh, in 2020. I graduated with an MFA. That's fantastic. At that point, I was writing my book. And let's see, I graduated, yeah, I was 56, so I'm at 54. And I was writing my book and I felt kind of stymied. You know, writing is a lonely process, right? You're sitting. And I wanted to do something that made it more immersive. And I wanted uh, to do something that added people to it so that even if the book didn't do anything, I would at least have liked the experience. And I felt stymied, you know, sitting at a desk by yourself, you don't get enough, you don't get a lot of input, right? Right. So I decided um, to go back. And I was also curious, since I was writing about my experiences as a midlife widow, if any of the millennials or the younger kids in class or you know, some in their 20s, if anybody would find this at all interesting, who wasn't, you know, my, you know, older, older woman age demographic. So but they did I, find I, it interesting, did they? They did. They found it interesting. They did. They liked the writing and they had good suggestions. And it was really good to get different perspectives. But I think also it's probably very similar for them. I mean, when I talk to young people now about dating, you know, young people in my life or my kids' lives, they all complain about it. And I'm assuming yeah. some of what you'll share will be similar to what they don't like. I'd be curious to see how much it overlaps, but they don't have a lot of good to say about dating. I feel like um, the way we used to date might've been better. Although you didn't date very much, even as a young person or at all, actually. So you don't even know what dating was like when I was younger because you didn't do it. That's really interesting. I didn't even think about that. So well, I only knew what it was like to date as a high, what I knew about dating was being a high school junior in 1980. So when I started dating after George died and that was 2014, uh, yeah, dating in 2014, I was, I was pretty shocked. What was the most shocking thing to you? Well, the online aspect was interesting because it, it felt almost infinite. You know, there's this huge supply of people, right? And that was surprising to me was the vastness of it. But the thing that shocked me, the second part was how few of them were viable and what a waste of time it was. I mean, most of these guys were, if not bots, they were schmucks. What do you mean bots? You know, fake people. No, um, I know what a bot is, but what did you mean by that? Well, I mean, you know, you go online and you you get these weird messages and you wonder, well, how many of these are really who they say they are? How many of this is, how much of this is a real person? How much of this is someone who's actually single when they're saying, I'm so busy, but I might be able to text you on a Friday night. Um, you know, what, what was, what's real? Oh, interesting. Some people that are, are being dishonest, but also literally bots. I didn't realize that was part of it. I, I expected that there would be people that were married. Is that what you mean? And that they were on there that just looking around, which is kind of crappy. I actually heard from yeah. young people. There are some men, young girls, that men go on there. Some men just for boredom, like because they're bored. And they'll just text and, you know, to women, they have no intention of going out with them. They're not even looking for someone, but they're bored. That seems cruel. Um, I thought that too, you know, guys who are just like, oh, I'm really busy, but let's text for a while. Let's, you know, I really want to get to know you. Here's my number. Let's be texting. Let's talk, you know, and then they vanish. I mean, I, I had a big learning curve to be like, you know, after a couple of messages to be like, well, do you want to talk? If they, if they were interesting, do you want to talk anything that, okay. And then just vanish, you know, I not, not to do that, not to waste your time with that. So how did you initially start? What was the first thing you did when you said, okay, you know, I'd like to meet someone. What was it that you said I need to do first? I mean, I guess you had read about online dating. You probably knew about it. So did you just assume sure. that's what I'll do? What What was your thought process? Well, um, I went on JDate, which is the Jewish dating network. And my thought was it would be a smaller site and hopefully tamer. maybe, uh, And maybe get more people who were more serious. Um, I'm not, I'm culturally Jewish, so I wasn't looking for somebody religious, but I was hoping, uh, I was looking for a site that was again, smaller, a little less crazy. So I thought I would try that. And, um, I, what did I do? I, I'm a researcher again. That's what I did. So I've looked at, you know, how do you do a dating profile? What, what kinds of things do people want? I found a great Ted talk by a woman who'd met her true love online and, you know, her big thing was men are visual. So after a bit, I had professional photos taken. I, I wanted to a, I wanted to get an A. You know, I'm, I have a student <laughs> mentality. So I put it together. And what my dating profile is, is actually in the first chapter of my book. 
And, you know, I put up front, I'm a lawyer. I figured that would scare off people. Good. Hopefully scare <laughs> off scammers and see what happens. So what, like, I, I you know, I honestly, I've never seen a dating profile. So I, I'm just curious. So what kind of questions does it ask on there? Yeah, I barely remember. I mean, it was J-Date. So I'm guessing things ask, like, do you have children? I don't have any kids, um, obviously. Age, appearance, location. What you're looking for, serious, fun, whatever. Um, I'm guessing, again, J-Date was how religious are you? You know, culturally, whatever. Um, I think things like that. Well, you know, later I got on other sites and okay, Cupid was the weird one because they just you can answer an infinite number of really weird questions like, you know, you like bonded this much, that much or that much, you know, really weird personal questions. <laughs> um, would you reform the United States government? How much? You know, really, really crazy questions. Well, on a side note, would you please, that would be really helpful to the rest of the country. We'd really appreciate if you would reform the United States government, but I don't know if that's an okay Cupid question. Um <laughs> So when did you start going on your dates and, and how well did you do? Was J-Date okay? Or I guess not if you went on to other sites. How did that work out now? No, it was not okay. Um, I met, you know, for one thing, it wasn't, I was in a suburb. Of, um, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area and I was in a suburb that's about an hour from San Francisco. And there weren't a lot of people in my area. There just weren't a lot of folks. So that was one issue. But the second was the guys I met were uh, pretty messed up. I would say a good two thirds of them had mommy issues. Wow. So it's like real life. Just yeah, kidding. like real life. Yeah. Yeah. My first <laughs> date. I mean, I've been, you know, widowed. I'd spent the last, you know, part of my husband's life. I was a caregiver to him and he died and I was ready to try to find some measure of joy again. And the first guy I go out with spends after a couple of lunches, he spends our first real date whole night talking all and on about his exes. All the ones who ruined his life. That's uh, the way to a woman's heart. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get why I didn't want to see him. Next guy, fairly similar. And both of them blame their mothers for, for things. Apparently the second one I told me, he had a, his mother had been very glamorous. And he told me that I reminded him of her in terms of being emotionally withholding. Uh, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was. Are very these mostly impressed. divorced people? Were they, did you find that they were divorced? Were they widowers? What did you? Oh, have they any were. All, sense they were all divorced. They were yes. They were all multiply divorced. God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was yucky. So I went on to other sites, and you know, um, those were kind of ridiculous because you know, uh, I'll be honest here. I think a lot of this is feels like angry men, and it's practically rape culture. Hey, beautiful, do you want to come over tonight? Or, you know, I, I, or some guy who was like, I want to tie you up. And I'm like, that's offensive. And he's like, well, you haven't tried it. And it's like, okay, that's not, you know, my profile was very tame. I want a relationship. It did not list anything sexual. This is what the, the young girls told me. They yeah, said that um, it's, it's not, it's for hooking up the, you know, hookup culture in quotes. They, yeah. they said that they started saying to guys straight out, I'm looking for relationship. When when someone would, I guess, contact them, I don't want to have one night stand. And they would also tell me that men would say, do you want to come over tonight? And they said, right. there's only one reason why they would say, come over tonight and not say, let's go to dinner or whatever to a girl that they don't know. But the girls were saying, you know, it's fine and it's okay to want to have sex. And they said, you know, I was all for that also in the beginning. But at some point, I just don't want to sleep with a million guys. I want a relationship. So it really does sound like it's the same. I wonder if older guys, though, and I was curious, and you may not have an opinion about this, but because we grew up in a different generation, that even though I know you went right from high school to marriage, I, you know, I and my other friends who didn't do that, we were still raised by our parents who were like, nice girls don't do that. So right. I'm wondering if women and men who are divorcing now in record numbers are our age group. If they're thinking this is great, particularly the men, wow, it's a free for all. I can go online and I can be promiscuous because I never had that. I mean, I don't know if you had a sense of that was part of what's going on here. I just was curious because I know from even my guy friends, I used to think my guy friends, the parents did encourage them to do more than what my mother encouraged me to do, which is to be with one guy and marry him. And first, preferably marry him first. That's how I was raised. But my mm -hmm. guy friend said, no, no, no. My parents never said, oh, go, my boy, have fun, enjoy it. It's, it's okay to you know feel good. So I wondered if all these people are out there now dating, particularly the men, just looking to, to do what they couldn't do years ago. Did you get a sense that that was also some of what's going on? 
I did. I very much, I got a sense of two things with that. I got a sense, yes, that that wasn't something that they thought they could do when they were younger. So they didn't have maybe as much fun as they'd wanted and that they were using hookup culture now as an excuse to try to do that, but not necessarily to be pleasant. I mean, you can be on time. You cannot bitch about the cost of dating. You can open a door and you can still try to get laid in a subtle way. Right. Right. You know, I was a little shocked. I'd meet a guy for coffee. And then, you know, next thing I'd hear was a phone call. Hey, do you want to come? You know, we got along. Do you want to come over tonight? No. You know, so I do feel that. And I also feel that a lot of these guys, and I was very disappointed in this because again, I'd been with one person, right? So I believed in love. I mean, my husband had died, but it was, I believed very much in love and that, you know, you could find the love of your life and, you know, basically your, your, your Hallmark movie viewpoint. Right. And you know, your, your older person Hallmark movie. Right. And, you know, a lot of these guys were really disillusioned. And I think they'd been disillusioned after their marriages, you know, divorce, especially, I mean, it's, you know, by the time you're done, people are fighting with their spouses, the finances are a disaster, right? You get it. Um, and I felt like they were, they dated probably since then with a sort of chip on their shoulder, following the divorce, nobody, they didn't really want to be dating, apparently they wanted to have sex. But I felt like they were sort of disillusioned and angry and they took that out on this sort of hookup culture. You know, you want to do this? Yeah. Okay. Bye. You know, there was no effort. Um, you know, in my writing, I said at one point, it felt to me like midlife dating was how much will a woman put up with to have male companionship and how lazy can a man, a middle-aged man be and still remain sexually active. I, I really want to be honest with you. That does not sound appealing to me at all. Just so no. you know. So how did you deal with that? Did you say, I'm done? How did yeah. you deal with this? I mean, this sounds really not pleasant at all. I dealt with it in a couple of ways. One, I had been so focused on dating and love that I also worked on, okay, assume I'm not going to find, I did it two ways. Assume I'm not going to find someone, you know, assume this isn't, you know, I was putting a lot of effort into this. The things I do, I tend to do pretty intensely. I'm really, I fight this. I'm type A. So I'd been really focused on dating an hour a day on the site, you know, and I looked instead at like, well, what do I want to do? Okay. So I don't have a guy. I can travel. I traveled with um, university alumni, uh, a travel group. I got more, much more into the writing. I started hiking on weekends. That was a huge help for me because weekends were so sad without my George and the bed was so empty and it was really a relief to get up early on a weekend morning and go hike. So I looked at what I could do as a single person. And when I did those things, I met more single people who weren't dating. Most women, so many women I know have given up on it. You know, I probably found that with your friends. So I looked at that, at making, trying to see what my life could look like if I were on my own and how that would look and how I could make that appealing. And the second thing I did is I pulled way back. I was on one site. I changed my profile to say, um, I am looking for a relationship. If you are looking for something kinkier or more short term, I, um, I applaud your self-knowledge, but please don't waste your time contacting me. And I just got very, you know, I went to down 10 minutes a day on the site. And then about five years in, when I'd kind of given up hope, I got a message from someone who actually did share my values. Is that who you're dating now? Yeah, we've been together five years. We live together. Yeah. Wait, so how was that falling in love as an adult, actually? It's different, isn't it, from being a kid? Oh, you know, what was wonderful is it didn't feel that terribly different. I mean, in some ways it was better because by this point, you know, there's no parents involved, right? I had my own house. I had you didn't a have to get permission to stay out late, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have to have permission. And I, um, from my bad dates, I knew what I wanted. So I had tried a little bit dating around, dating a couple guys, seeing if I had the temperament to take things a little more casual, discovered it wasn't me. But I tried. Um, I go through that in my book. I did try it. I called it dating with detachment or dating like a man. And that wasn't for me. But by this point, I knew what I wanted. And it was so wonderful to feel romantic joy again, to feel joy in the dating process it was fantastic. <laughs> That's so great. Do you, are you comfortable to tell us anything about him? I mean, you don't have to tell us his name, but just anything that maybe is different from your relationship with George. Sure. I've was he married? Is he divorced? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he if he's comfortable having you talk about it. Oh, he's good. Yeah, we've got. I, I had an article in the Huffington Post a couple of weeks ago, and we had pictures of the two of us in it. Yeah, we're we're good. We're. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty open. If people read what I've written in places, I'm I'm kind of all out there. 
someone just said they couldn't offer my book to their friends because it was too explicit. I was like, oh crap. Okay. But that's anyway. why I'm buying your book. And by the way, to the audience, it's we are going to put the information uh, to get her book and we're going to put that in both. We have two podcast groups, one on Facebook, one on Instagram, and we can also put it on here with the podcast so that you'll know where you can actually order her book. Tell us um, a little bit about him. How did you meet exactly? Like what was the first date like? Was it love at first sight? If you want to fill us in with all that, because I actually, I'm also like an older Hallmark person. So I really want to hear about the love story. Okay. It's a great love story. I think it's a great love story. I'd been dating about five or six years and I'd almost given up and I was busy. You know, at that point in my life, I was set to go on a trip. Um, I'd been in a horrible breakup on a vacation that worked. So I booked one by myself to go back where that one had failed to Eastern Europe for three weeks. And I was going to start school. And, but I was still online on OkCupid. That was the best of the sites. I'd gotten off all the other ones. I wasn't spending a lot of time. And one day I got a mess, but I was checking them and I got a message that said, um, I like that picture of you. Um, there's a picture of me on my profile. I love the tennis shoes you're wearing. Are those vans with, the, with skulls on them? There's, I was wearing these slip-on tennis shoes with the skull print. I answered him, yeah, yep, yeah, those are vans with skulls. Goes, I'm thinking of getting a pair. You know? We moved off the site and we talked a little about shoes. He, we looked at shoes he could get, you know, and we were chatting. And then we met for tea and we were both really sad. We, I mean, we were both sad people. He had, his mom had died nine months before. He's divorced. Um, he's had a couple real short marriages when he was younger and was pretty much living on his own. He was he had a, cat, a lovely cat. Um, he did a lot of stuff by himself. And um, so we met for tea and he was sad about his mom. And I was sad about a really bad breakup I'd had and was not filtered enough to not talk about it. And we decided to be friends. So... We decided to do that. And he's texting me, you know, he, he's running in the morning. He texts me sunrise. He had a little ski boat. He would text me pictures from there. And that's all. We really had nothing in common. I don't do sunrises. I don't run. I am not a boat person. I didn't but think. But you don't do sunrises? Is that a thing? Like you don't do sunrises? Do you do them I'm now? Not, I'm not a morning person. Oh, I'm not that. You might like sunrises. Them. I have nothing okay. against them. I just wasn't, <laughs> I don't get up early to, to run. And and he's very athletic. He's a skier. He was a ski instructor, professional ski instructor. And I was like, okay. And, uh, but then he, even he's very good looking, which scared me. I mean, I, you know, I figured. That goes looking, with the ski instructor, like the visual. I'm sorry. I'm like picturing it. Okay. Yeah. 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 He was. And I hadn't really noticed it the first couple of times we met because he was, um, he was kind of, well, the first time we met, he was kind of dressed up for work and he was wearing a business a suit and he's a realtor. And he was dressed up and I'm like, he's too, he's too grown up for me. You know, I don't, I don't wear, you know, I don't dress up. And, but then he called a couple of weeks after we had tea and he said, well, there's two or three weeks. And he said, I'm going to do, I said, it was a Memorial day. He said, I'm, I have an old convertible. I'm going to drive down the coastline in Marin. I'm going to stop at some of my favorite restaurants. I know it's late notice. You know, if you're busy, don't worry. I, I'm going to go by myself. I, I'll have a great time. And I was supposed to go hiking with a group. And I thought, well, this looks interesting. We'll either like each other or we'll hate each other spending so much time in the car. <laughs> and I went with him and he picked me up and he was gorgeous. Then I did notice it. And I was like, oh, I was a little surprised. Like the nice one is good looking, which surprised me. And the other thing though, is when we met, we were going to meet, my house was in the wrong direction about a half hour. He was in the right. And he said, well, I said, I'm leaving at 830. And I said, can I meet you at your place closer to 930? And he said, no, I'll pick you up. And I said, well, by the end of the day, you know, that's over an hour, two hours, you're driving in the wrong direction. He said, that's okay. He said, it's what I do. And this was the first guy I'd met who was really chivalrous. And I think chivalry can... is dead, but he gives me hope. Yeah, chivalry is dead. And that was one of the things I found so disappointing in dating. I mean, I understand, like, you don't have to open the car door. But I mean, I open the door for someone if I'm in the way or however that works. And, you know, these men had no manners. They're like, oh, wow, I maybe want, this guy might want to sleep with me, but he can't hold the door open. He's, it's closing in my face right now. You know, right. this is somebody who thinks he wants to hang out with me and he's bitching because he's just offered to buy me a $5 cup of coffee. It was, it, yeah, there was no chivalry. And I'd found it really disheartening. You can still be chivalrous without needing a long life commitment. No, no, I agree with you. I agree. I mean, I actually, if you don't mind, if I could just um, ask you one thing about that. Did you find that men were cheap? 
and maybe people now contact me and say that I'm so sexist, but I, I just, I heard from some girls that men would literally come out with calculators and say, you know, you owe me, you know, $2.3. And did you find that a lot when you went on these date on dates with these people, not with your current boyfriend, but did you find that a problem? And did you have an issue with that? And again, you didn't date when you were younger, so maybe you don't. I mean, I grew up where boys paid and I think that would bother me if they wouldn't offer. And mind you, I do think that women should pay, but I think if the first date they didn't pay, that would bother me. And which maybe that's, I'm wrong. But what what happened when you went out with men? Did you find that they were being cheap, like some of the younger girls have said? Some not? of them, yeah. A great, a great many of them, yes. I did find them cheap and ridiculously cheap, but in an offensive way. You know, I dated a couple guys who I don't think had a lot of money. And before we went out, they would say, hey, you know, I'd like to go here with you, but I need to split the check. And you know what? I was good with that. I didn't mind that. That's honest. It's open. I mean, that's fine. What pissed me off were a couple guys who, um, you know, one guy went places and ordered ridiculous, expensive stuff. And then he's like, oh, we're splitting the bill, aren't we? And it's like, but you picked, you know, the guy ordered a bottle of wine I'd never pay for. You know, I'm, I'm... so that was offensive to me where guys who didn't set it out ahead of time acted like they're on an expense account, right? which I did experience and then split. One guy really wanted to be with me exclusively. And I was like, dude, I can't even afford to have a dinner with you, <laughs> you know? And he was shocked somehow. He thought he had the rights to my body, but somehow my wallet was, was, was sacred or something. Um, I was shocked. And a lot of guys were cheap. You know, I dated a couple guys who did pay for things at this a fair amount, and again, things that were expensive, but they were very wealthy. And then they bitched about it later. And I'm like, okay, but I mean, again, cheap. And you know what I preferred more and what I can deal with were some guys, you know, the first dates, like they get the bill, I get the tip. Or if we have, we're having a nice time, they get the sandwich. And if we're walking around, I get a cookie or a coffee. I was pretty cognizant of that stuff when I didn't like to pay as if somebody insisted not on coffee as a first date, you know, and they said, well, if I'm coming this way, we have to have a meal or, or something when I wanted more than I didn't like, why am I paying for this ridiculous breakfast? I never wanted, you know, I'm actually a nice person. If I didn't like a guy, I have, sometimes I would pay my half because I, I didn't want to see him again. And I felt bad. I didn't want to take advantage because it didn't, no, no, I could expensive. see that. Yeah, I could you know, No, I definitely wouldn't like someone. I've had friends do that when you go out with friends and they order a lot. And then the, without any consideration, like without saying, you know, I'll just pay for mine because I had four drinks right. and you didn't even drink. You know what I mean? So I think across the board, that's not very nice. But I guess it just puts me off. And I'm sure that's because of my age, that if I, I think a man should try to pay. Although I agree with you also that if, you know, you don't have money, you say that up front. But I think what yeah. you did with your boyfriend makes perfect sense. Go for a tea short and sweet this way if you don't like each other no one has to be rude and it's also inexpensive That's I, I think I that was really yeah. smart and it's a very nice thing to do I think I do too a lot of people bitch about you know the quote-unquote coffee or single or drink date because they say it's not enough effort but if you don't like somebody you want to get out of there right. you don't want right. to be at some meal where you you're desperate to leave you're feeling like you know an animal in a trap and he's saying Hmm. Let's look at the dessert menu. You know. Right. So I really believe in the quick and quick and short first date, especially because you know photographs aren't always that super honest. Um, I, I would say very often they're not. Is that a good guess? It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, men complain about that with women, but I've had the same experience. You know, I, I mean, one of my first dates, I really had to learn things. If a guy's face was mostly in shadow and his body ended at the chest. This was not a man who was um, into fitness. And I respect that, but I am. And I think people should be honest. Did you find out anything funny about yourself? For example, and this is not an insult, but I, I'm just going to guess. I, I'm not saying you found this out, but like, did you start dating and think, I'm not superficial and then realize, oh my God, I'm superficial. Not that that's wrong. I think you should be attracted to the guy, but did you find out anything funny about yourself that like, wow, I really am not so nice. Or I'm, I only will go with guys with hair or, I mean, I'm just mm. making this up. I don't know if, did you find anything funny like that about yourself? You know, what I did find is that I could be attracted to a very, a wide range of people, but if I wasn't attracted to somebody, I wasn't because, you know, for a bit, again, kind of this middle-aged viewpoint, young, I was kind of looking, I would look at a couple guys and say, well, this, this person looks great on paper. And I don't think I'm attracted to him, but maybe I could be, you know, right. 
um, maybe, you know, you, you love the person, not necessarily what they look like. But I realized, honestly, if I wasn't attracted to somebody, that probably wasn't going to change. And that in the dating world, people want to date. They're not thrilled with, oh, but we could be friends. You know, they don't, right. they don't, they don't want that. And a couple guys took me up on being friends and then made moves later that were inappropriate. I had that even with a widower. Wow. Was worse, you know, and I'd be honest. And then I'd be like later and it's somehow it's like, well, you're, you know, you're hanging out with me. It's like, yeah, you said we could be friends. Um, now, you know, you're offended. And it's like, so I had to be attracted to somebody. And also that I really expected a measure of kindness and interest that most people just didn't have. I mean, I really wanted a committed relationship and it's unsure, you know, most people don't want that and that's fine. But I learned that that's really what I wanted. Did you even try to do anything in person? I don't know if there's even a venue for that. I mean, I guess, I mean, I never liked, even when I was younger, I didn't like bars or discos, which now I'm really dating myself. I don't know how I would even do that in person now. Is there a way to even try to meet people in person these days? Other than, I guess, your hiking group is away, but like other things like that? Well, I know there are things like table for six or something. I know there are professional matchmakers. I never did any of that. I, I kind of went with the online. I figured it's a numbers game. Somebody, you know, it was a way to meet a lot of people. I didn't really want to be doing things in person where you're, you're you're in a group for a whole night or you're at a dinner for a whole night. And, you know, you've realized in the first 15 minutes that this isn't going to work. I went to one maybe singles group once and uh, I forget what it was, but about seven very depressed people showed up. I had thought it was more like a cocktail party, but it wasn't. It was at a place and it was very dark and depressing. And I, I made an excuse that I needed to use the restroom and left. Oh, wow. So, so you started to get really good at this. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, I knew how not to waste time. I, no, no, you're smart. I know how to do that, you know? So getting back to your boyfriend. So he picked yeah. you up, which I think is really great. And then what happened? And you saw that he was really hot out of his suit. So that's kind of fun. And yeah, then what happened went, after that? We um, got in his old convertible and we drove down the coast and we stopped for breakfast in Sausalito. It's a really cute place. And he's like, order what you want, you know, do this. And we drove around and we ha stopped at a little cafe in Stinson Beach and he found a parking place on Memorial Day. And one thing that impressed me is we drove through San Francisco and he made a couple wrong turns. And I was nice. I said, you know, if you'd like, I can navigate on my phone. And he said, oh, that'd be great. And most guys don't do that. That stereotype about directions is true. Right. I mean, I dated a couple idiots who were like, you know, who are so, that was another thing I found about a lot of the men I dated, I found it very condescending and that will kill me. That is, you know, they're very condescending. So, you know, you'd say, well, I can look at this on my phone. You've made a couple wrong turns, you know, they're like, oh, well, no, using a phone means you lose your sense of direction. You really shouldn't do that. You know, and it's like, yeah, you're driving 70 miles an hour in a suburb because you're lost, you know? But I don't know if that's condescending. That Technically that could be that they are not smart. Yeah. <laughs> But I or a combination. Guys, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of guys are, you know, you're so naive as a new widow. It's like, I wasn't really that naive exactly. I mean, I think, you know, I could, I think I could tell when someone was trying to be a, to one up me, which I found a lot of, a lot of this sort of negging dominance kind of thing, which again, I don't work well with. And, and my partner, his name's Randall. He didn't have any toxic masculinity. And I found a lot of toxic masculinity. Yeah, no, it sounds really awful. I have to be honest. Like part of me thinks, oh, that could be really fun just to go out with a bunch of different people, have a great time. But the way you're explaining it does not even remotely sound like it might be fun. Yeah, it sounds awful. I wish I could say it was fun because I had thought it might be fun. I mean, honestly, you know, I didn't, no kids. I had a lot of time. I'm a writer. So I was kind of meeting people just to kind of see what I liked or what people were like or what's even looking for material, honestly. <laughs> I'm not, not people I didn't like, but I would, you know, think I'll meet somebody for coffee. This probably isn't my person, but maybe they're pleasant, but it was generally so awkward and unpleasant that it, it wasn't fun. I had thought it might be again, a pep coming from, you know, having been a cancer caregiver and never dating and really having nothing at stake. I mean, if I didn't meet somebody, I was fine. I'm self-supporting. I, you know, it isn't looking for anybody to do anything for me exactly, but it it really wasn't fun. That's bad. Do you mind if I ask you how kissing the first time was? 
Was that at least fun? Mm, well, kissing Randolph for the first time was fun. Oh, I bet. But what? But uh, before that, I assume you kissed some of these awful sounding guys. Were you shocked or did you think, oh, this isn't so bad kissing someone else? Had you ever even kissed anyone else besides your husband? I had, but I had, oh, okay. it was when I was 16 or 17. So the kiss, the, you know, I think maybe open mouth and that was about it. So this was all <laughs> very different. <laughs> Um, you know, um, yeah, I think one guy had reached, touched my chest at a fraternity party and I slapped him. So yeah, I, I was pretty, pretty wait, like, just to be clear for the audience, that was when you were younger, not recently. Yeah. That was when I was 18. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That was, that was back in 1984. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't go to um, yeah. a fraternity party recently. Okay. Um, no, I don't like younger men that no, I mean, nothing wrong with younger men, but no, not that young. No. So you're not a cougar. A lot of women talk about being cougars. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I, I agree with you. I don't see what's attractive about someone that looks like I have a son. So that's just very weird to me. But um, no, I have no cougar men in general are better and not, not, not necessarily young enough to be our children. I mean, I'm going to be 60. So I'm not a boy who's 30. But, you know, somebody in their like mid to late 40s, I've heard because younger generation of men are raised with less toxic masculinity. They feel less of the need to dominate. They, they, you know, they get along better with women. Um, they're less, you know, kind of argumentative or trying to be like, you know, number one. So I actually have heard from some women that dating younger men is better. And that also a lot of them just honestly tend to be fitter, have more energy. If you're a fit woman, you know, in your 60s, maybe you're not going to find that fit guy who can keep up with you on the trail or wants to do yoga with you or, you know, so I have or other things actually. Wait, so now tell me about point. your boyfriend. So he's a good kisser. And yes. when did you feel like the two of you were falling in love? You know, it took a while. We decided to be friends. And what happened was we dated, you know, we dated for, gosh, a few weeks, a month. And then he was reading. One thing he did that nobody else had done is he read everything I'd written. And by that point, I had some articles out there. I'd had, you know, some, some publications and a blog. And um, he was the only one who read all of them to learn about me. And he said, well, I want to take you to Carmel because I know that's, I'd written a blog post where I had driven there by myself because I'd really craved the beach. And it was where George and I had loved to go, but that I'd driven home that same evening because it was so lonely, you know, that when it was dark and late, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't deal. Um, so I, and he said, I want to take you back there. And so you can love it again. I'm going to take you to our favorite restaurant and we'll do that. And I uh, said, separate rooms. And I said, well, what do I pay for my room? He said, no, I've got, I've got points. And so we did that. And then we hung out again, we dated, we went away for, together for the 4th of July, separate rooms. And then after, you know, eventually we got romantic, but it was, it was a long lead in time. And we just kind of saw how we got along as people. What a great story. Yeah. There's anything that you noticed about that more it's more about you honestly that you're a different person now that you see that's maybe more grown up in this relationship or it sounds like maybe more equal uh, you know like you had talked about investments the first time around is that something that you became interested in and that you talk about that with your partner now or you initiate that i mean it could be anything that you just notice is different not necessarily better but just different yes a lot is different because i never wanted to be in that situation where the bills are due or something and i'm like i don't know where they are i don't know how to pay them so yes, I'm, uh, I have all that information. I handle, um, we keep our finances separate. I do my own and, you know, handle my own finances. I'm not, I'm not good at that. So I use, you know, a traditional kind of firm, but I, I keep track. I make the calls. I know what's going on. If our home needs repairs, I'm involved in it. You know, George did all that with our old house. And I love my late husband, George, but he was an engineer and he was a perfectionist and a do-it-yourselfer. So things didn't really get done and they could never get done to his standards. So I'm very happy now to just kind of be like, okay, we're going to get this done. And if we need this, you know, 90% is good enough. But yeah, I'm much more involved with sort of how things run, how to do things and what we do. You know, he, Randall has his interests. He skis, but I don't go with him because I don't, I don't ski. I don't love the drive. I go to yoga. He's not up into that right now, but we have <laughs> our own interests. And George and I really didn't. I mean, I had some interest, but I was always with George. So if something would conflict, especially the weekends, right? Because he worked, my weekends were his alone. You know, I did nothing with that. What didn't involve him. And he liked to cook and make these fancy meals. And I, I'm really not that into that. 
Um, I like to, you know, make something at home, but I'm not like a, a gourmet cook like he was. So yeah, I, I'm much more, uh, I have a lot more agency in this relationship. That's good. So I does say, it feel differently? It does feel differently. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like I have more responsibility and I, I, again, I, I suffer, I suffer, I have anxiety, but I feel like I'm less anxious because I kind of can, I can kind of have an idea of what's happening and talk about what I think is important. And Randall listens to me and we usually reach a compromise, you know, um, and that's different. Did you think that you would ever marry again or, or would he, is that something that's important to the two of you? Or do you think that's not important at this stage? get married eventually we will I believe we will I'm traditional and I I love the idea of just the two of us getting married on a beach I wouldn't have like I mean I am not I'm not going to relive my youth in any way George and I actually got married at a courthouse uh we never did the big wedding thing um but I, I would like to be married and I think Randall and I will get married um you know at the right time I mean, we plan on spending the rest of our life together. And that's what I wanted. I wanted someone who had that kind of a viewpoint. And that's the kind of viewpoint I had from having been in a long marriage that wasn't perfect, but that overall was very loving and, you know, a huge part of my life. And I wanted that kind of long-term relationship again. So actually this is a happy ending and you did find love online. I did. It took five so, years, though, and a lot of effort. Right. Yeah. But it does make you an expert, officially, in my opinion. So now you promised me when we met over the phone, and I'm so glad to see you now, and I wish everyone else could see that she's so pretty and young, and it's shocking to even say that you lost her husband. You were, you were so young, and you are still very young. But so now give us some advice. You are an expert. So tell us, what would you say to women mm -hmm. in, you know, in our age group who are just starting out, and they're overwhelmed, and they don't know how to even approach this world? And do you have any advice for that they're weeding through some of this so they don't maybe have to go through what you went through. What I learned online was very practical stuff. You know, if someone's messaging you saying, Hey, I don't have time to talk now because I'm a secret agent, but let's keep texting till I'm back in the U S just blow them off. Anything you don't want, just end communications, anything you're uncomfortable with. And any guy who wants to tell you, Oh, but I really want you. Or I thought this, no, nobody dies of blue balls. Okay. No one is going to die of blue balls. It didn't happen when we were kids. It's not going to happen now. And I don't appreciate very much that kind of sense of, oh, but we've gone out a couple times. We're both adults. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean I want you. And I think it's really important to have agency and not to compromise and to understand. I love this line. No is a complete sentence. Yeah, it is. That's a great line. Because I felt a lot of men were pushy. And I think that's so inappropriate. I think it is so wrong to push somebody in any way, but to do so sexually is offensive. And I felt like people almost tried that with me occasionally because I was such a naive widow, but I'm not, and I never was. Um, you know, I, I was to say, you know, my favorite, I'm a widow, but I'm not a moron. And I, I think it's just- You should really, make a shirt. Thank you. Thank you. I wonder <laughs> if that would, yeah, I noticed you have merch. Maybe that would work. But I noticed, you know, but so I just really think part of it is just standing up for yourself and having a lot of self-esteem. You know, the I meet a fair amount of, where I lived a lot of older folks and a lot, I meet a lot of couples who meet up in midlife and get together and they're not skinny. They're, they look like normal people of their age, but they're smiling and they're open and they found each other and they were looking for more than, you know, the validation of being with someone who looks younger or super skinny. They were looking for people who they could get along with, who are lo just lovely people. And I see a lot of that. So, and I think when you find the right person and they're kind and you're comfortable, a lot of that insecurity will go away, right? You're with the right person. You know, they, they love you or care about you at least. And it, it's not that big a deal. Um, I think the hard part is when you're feeling pushed because women, I think our, gener our generation were raised to be so conciliatory and not offend anyone. Right. And that's, that's when you need to just say no, if nothing, if something doesn't feel at all right. And also the right person, I'm going to sound like in high school, the right person will wait. Right. You know, if they're pushing for something now, well, they're not the right person. And if they're offering things you don't want, like, Hey, I'm really busy. I don't have time for dinner, but I can come by later tonight. 
that schmuck's putting no effort in. It's not the right person. Right. But I think when you find the right person, the awkwardness of what it's like to kiss or what it's like eventually to become physical, it's just, it's nice. <laughs> and it's enjoyable and it, and it should, as, as it should be. But it's not, it's not traumatic. And if you're not, if you have any doubts, wait, because the right person will wait with you. I mean, that's the thing too. I don't think, I mean, I have some friends who were always more comfortable when we were growing up, you know, having one at Sandra, whatever. And I don't begrudge them that. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I think, so your point is however you are, the person should adjust to that if he likes you. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And also, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people in the dating world, at least men, I, I can't really speak to women, but are dishonest. So some guy's going to say, oh, I can't live without you. I need you now. Oh, my God, you're so amazing. But what he's really saying is I want a one night stamp. Right. I mean, someone who's, you know, saying, oh, God, you're so amazing. I can't live without you. I mean, that's really the same as saying I want to get laid now. So right. I, I think it's really important to have a great bullshit detector. I mean, that's also a red flag, don't you think? If it's so early on and saying, I can't live without you, just seems ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah, I just think all this stuff, it's just, a yeah, it's really just standing up for yourself and having self-esteem. I, I I don't think it's really that complicated once you come from a place of self-esteem and not doing anything that you might not be comfortable with, you know. Is there anything else you would say to women or men, actually? Would you suggest that they do professional pictures as you did, or do you think that maybe isn't necessary? I don't know. There, I didn't have a lot of pictures of myself. You know, I'd been married again, 32 years. Neither of us like to do cameras. We, we weren't the phone people who, you know, are, 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 you know, like people nowadays were chronicling everything in their lives. Um, so I, I didn't have a lot of pictures and the ones I had were, were pretty limited. So, you know, do I think it's a good idea? I think you should have flattering pictures and I do think a full body shot or two is a good thing because people do look for that and you should be honest. There's nothing to feel ashamed of. You don't have to, but I, I do think that people should offer a full honest view. I recently talked to someone who, who is an expert who said you should have some candid shots so people see what you look like in real life and what you like to do and what you're passionate about. Should you always have a shot with a dog or is that only for men? I'm joking. Like without well, a shirt and a dog fish. by your side? You know, I, I've never, I don't have a dog. So I guess I missed out on that. I, oh, you didn't rent one for your photo lovers. shoot? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> rent, a, rent a dog. No. Yeah, really. I need to rent the Labradoodle, please. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I think I want a guy who's a little, little tougher. Can I rent that German Shepherd? <laughs> or Pitbull? Wait, so um, please tell me you did farmers.com or whatever that's called. Have you ever seen that commercial? They played on the East Coast. It's, it's, I think it's called onlyfarmers.com and it's a dating site. Please tell me you did that just for fun. Did you at least date one farmer from that site? Please just lie, even if you didn't. I'm dying to know someone who did that. You know what I'm yes, talking about? Yes, I dated Austin and he was so hot. We did it in a haystack. No, no, I didn't. I was just saying, you're making that up. It sounds really good. I made <laughs> that up. like a Harlequin novel. Does it that? Yeah, I'm a writer. Yeah, I made yeah you up. are a writer. Well, I was in. Keep going. So what else happened? I don't care if it's fake. So okay. what, so you did, okay, Cupid, you did J-Date. And what else did you do that was bad? Are you willing to tell us? Did you do match.com? I did. What about Tinder? I did Tinder. I wanted to be a woman. I wanted to try swiping. I was over 50, man. I was going to give that a shot see what that was like. And none of those were good. It was okay, Cupid? No, it wasn't great. You know, Tinder, I actually met a couple men and had interesting dinners. And in retrospect, they were probably disappointed because it is a hookup site. But I would find somebody who was interesting. And I would just meet up for a dinner or something to see what that was like. You know, one guy was a newscaster and he was really kind of fun to talk to, but I, I didn't do the one night standy Tinder thing. I just, you know, swiped here and there. And in general, I, I didn't find that most sites had enough information about the person. I feel like you need more information. Cupid seemed to have more information because, you know, again, I don't have kids and I didn't want to do that half time thing. Right. So I didn't want somebody who could only see me half time. Maybe I'm selfish. I don't know. But some sites, they weren't telling you. So, the, you know, the first question would be, oh, well, do you have half cuss? You know, do you, how does this work? And it's like, well, my life, I'm very busy. And I'd be like, well, thank you. But, you know, I don't want that. And thank you for being honest. And it was generally pretty amicable. But I, I really wanted sites that gave me the kind of information of like, what is this person's life like? And how available are they? And I found Cupid tended to have more info like that. And the people tended to put longer stuff. 
they tended to be more educated that I could tell. And again, I'm here in Northern California. So honestly, that group of folks tended to be a little more in line with, with my own beliefs. Is there something that wasn't on any of the sites that you thought, it's funny to me that, that they don't have that or they don't ask that. Was there anything that you thought that would be really helpful if they did, aside from what you just said? Gosh, you know, I, no, I don't really know. I don't know because people, you know, I generally would like to know someone's ideal date or someone's, what their dreams are. Um, I'm not sure I really saw enough about people's dreams. And what I thought was interesting is so many, again, of the men I met were so disillusioned and defeated. And it seemed a lot of them had kind of, well, certainly given up on love. I don't know about other dreams, like, you know, maybe climbing Everest, but finding love <laughs> seemed to be sort of on the back burner, you know, didn't, didn't seem to be one of their dreams. Um, you know, and fortunately people can, you know, you can write, you can say anything, you know, people talk about all these love bombs and all this stuff and the guys vanish. And so you know, I, I think it's really hard be, in, in that sense and that whatever's on paper is on paper, right? Someone looks right. too good to be true. They probably are, you know, Austin, the amazing farmer with the rippling gold <laughs> hair. And the now you're just teasing me. It's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so what, did anyone ghost you? You didn't have that because you, it doesn't sound like you got serious with anyone. But I think that's no, nobody. That didn't happen to me. I had a worse, I had a weirder situation. And maybe again, because you know, when I first started dating, I mean, I looked real young for my age and I had this. You look blonde. really young for your age. Thank you. I mean, I'm looking at you and people will see when I post our picture. I, I'm actually really annoyed. And I hate to say this. I think it's because you didn't have children. You look fabulous. Thank you. I didn't. You're, I didn't have children. You're right. And I'm I'm a pretty selfish person. I mean, maybe you know, no, I didn't say it because you're selfish. You look amazing. Thank you. Amazing. You one, one thing that really does help, believe it or not, is yoga. I know that sounds crazy, but no, I it doesn't. I interviewed someone about you need to listen to that podcast, a neurologist in New York City, that they they just had a conference, a neuro yoga conference, and that it's amazing for your health. I'm actually yes. thinking of becoming a yogi on the side just because it's so good for your health. Yeah, I do about uh, four or five times a week. I try for five. I, it really helps. I mean, it really makes it reshapes your body. It keeps you glowy. It provides a community, which is also very good for your mental health. People need community at our age. It's hard to make friends. So yoga is actually, I would say yoga is kind of the fountain of youth in some ways. Tell me now about your book. How has that experience been for you writing the book, publishing the book? Do you do book tours? How has that been for you? I really love the process of writing the book because I couldn't write. I mean, I'm a lawyer. I didn't know how to put a book together. Um, and, but I read a lot and I knew I wanted it to be decent. So I, you know, I put a lot of effort into this and, and finance money. I shelled out for a really top flight editor and um, I learned to write, you know, originally I sent out query letters when I didn't have a book and there was a little bit of interest, but that was, you know, eight years ago. And by the time I could actually write a book and knew how to put something together that to me read like it was written by a real author um, I, it was pandemic and I, I didn't get an agent. So I went with a, a hybrid publisher who's excellent, but is also expensive. And there are so many books out these days. It's extraordinarily difficult to get any attention for your book. On the positive side, I have loved things like doing podcasts and meeting cool people like you. Seriously. I mean, I've discovered I love to talk to people. I'm not afraid to reach out to be on a podcast or to try to write for somewhere. Um, that's been amazing. Talking to different people has been fantastic. Um, I love, you know, making connections. Someone asked me to blurb their book about being a widow. It's like, yeah, thank you. People overall are super nice. But getting any real traction, at least for me, has not been hugely successful. Now, maybe it's because my book isn't, uh, maybe it's not that good. I don't know. I have 89 right now, five-star Amazon reviews, or close to five-star People who read it love it, but getting it in front of people has been ridiculously hard. And so somebody wants to do this. I wonder if it's this. ageism a little bit. No. The reason I say that as I interviewed someone else who's in her late 80s, and she's talking about how aging is amazing at that point of your life. And she's also dating and all these exciting things. And she's really interesting. And it also really didn't, 
it didn't do as well as I think it should, considering how many of us are aging, and that should be very interesting. I don't know if it's the industry that they're just not seeing us or women in general or older women as anything interesting to promote, but I find that really insulting. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's ageism. Do you think that at all? Or do you think I'm way off base? There have been a couple of books on widowhood that you know, that did get out there. Um, I don't know if it's ageism. I think that's a really good point. Maybe a little bit, you know, I, I mean, sometimes it seems like there are trends and right now the disillusioned younger person trend seems to be it. You know, I'm reading a lot of books about by middle-aged privileged lady maybe not so interesting to people, which, which I understand, you know, I worried about that too, that my, my story is pretty mainstream, but I also think a lot of us have mainstream stories. And I also feel really strongly that a lot of women of our generation are waking up to a real ingrained misogyny in our culture. And I think we see it more on our own when we are dating or venturing out on our own when we're kind of not hiding behind our husband, we, we don't have the husband to hide behind to deal with the home repairs with the guy going, oh yeah, ma'am, all your insulation has to come out, right? right? As I experienced, or the sense of being older and unattractive because we're part, you know, people are partnered. You know, I, I certainly noticed it when I was dating where I started to feel things were at a lot of levels kind of misogynistic and very hostile. And a lot of this was a power struggle. It wasn't about finding love. It was about people, try, men, I would say, trying to establish their power. And I, I didn't, I don't work well with that. And I don't think a lot of us do. And I think that is an interesting issue. And I'm seeing it sometimes, like we both write on Medium. I'm seeing it there. Um, I'm seeing it a little bit in more mainstream stuff because people are talking a lot more about menopause and aging and how we feel and how our bodies feel. Because, you know, I think originally mentioning anything that was like, a lady's complaint is so shocking. We all just pretend it's not there. But most of us are going through menopause and suffering with a real lack of knowledge. I also, I mean, I'll even take that part one step further that I think, you know, when a lot of women talk about sex being painful, um, they say it's menopause or, you know, there are other things that happen to your body during menopause. And I've asked this question so many times and I don't seem to get an answer that I think I, or the answer that I want, because I think this is the answer. I think that men just don't know much about it. They don't actually care. Sometimes I think long-term partners sometimes, and not all, not all men are, are assholes, but I think that particularly with dating, I, I think men just don't care. And I, and I, there is a huge pleasure gap. That was one thing that shocked me was when I was reading about younger people dating who are more casual, the hookup culture, the young girls are having the pleasure gap too. The guys are doing the metaphorical head push and the girls, I'll be, I'll be graphic on this. They're not having orgasms. I mean, I have no idea why, you know, to be having all this young sex, I could understand to be doing it and not um, having pleasure. I don't understand. The problem and menopause is an issue for women. And, I, and if you're not learning about it, and if you're not with the right person, that would be a problem as well. I think a lot of it is being with the right person. I think a lot of it is being with the right person. And I think a lot of it, unfortunately, is being comfortable enough educating someone about what you want, right? I mean, talking about it. You know, I was impressed when I was getting my MFA and I was chatting with gals in their 30s. And they're like, I don't date. And they were like, you know, they said, it's too much work. I'd meet a guy. Then I have to go through once again, telling him what I like. But I was very impressed with it. That what they started with is they tell that, that they have to educate them. And we weren't raised to educate the guy. And, you know, most well, how could we educate do... the guy? We weren't raised to understand our own bodies. I mean, it sounds like you actually were educated better than I was. But I can't even imagine my mother going, oh, Jill, like, try this. Like, this will really be good. And it's OK to feel good. No way. So I mean, if you don't know your own body, how can you tell a partner? Um, you know, I, I think the, some men do educate themselves, you know, and. I mean, I can't believe it isn't pretty well known. Most women don't orgasm through intercourse. I don't know that many men know that. Do you? <laughs> I don't know that they do know that, but that's kind of, you're getting into real basic stuff here or how female anatomy is because it's all hidden, right? And they don't, going to get too graphic here, but I, I do feel like there's kind of an, an ignorance thing. And I think a lot of people, again, they're not thinking long-term, so why do they care? They're going to get off. Yay. I mean, maybe a, a good person, regardless of the duration or seriousness of the relationship, still wants their partner, male or female, 
or, or non-binary who uh, everybody to to feel good that's important I love that there's so many more choices these days about who you want to be or, or what feels good um but I I think that with this kind of sense of instant quickie relationships people don't a lot of people don't really care I mean the sense of the men I got was they they didn't really care um yeah, that doesn't surprise me. If you just want a one night stand or you're just trying to get off, why would you care if the woman's having a good time? You don't even care if you know her at all. So why would you care if if she is happy or unhappy or if it's painful in the case of women, maybe who are going through menopause? I, I just think that it's it's a real shame. And I just think women, I know that, you know, I, I don't want to say that all women are a certain way, but I, many women are not wired that way. I know from talking to so many couples that that women need more. Thank you so much for coming on. And- we will put your book information in the podcast groups and on this podcast. And I have a feeling we'll get some questions. So maybe we can get back to you if that's okay with you with some of the questions from people that hear this podcast. Oh, I would love to. I would love so much fun. I had such a great time talking. I felt like we have so much to talk about. I would love to answer questions. I mean, if I could, I'm again, I'll do my disclaimer. I'm a former lawyer. I am not, you know, an expert in this, but I love, I'd love to chat. Yep. Actually, to that point, if anyone has insurance questions, she's your gal. I just realized that she can advise you as a lawyer. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. This was Thanks. fun.